Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Two weeks ago, I was in Israel uh, driving back and forth, helping to support um, a military unit, an Israeli uh, army that just needed supplies. And I'm like, hey, I can do that. So it was driving all over the country, picking up supplies. Um, and remember I told you in the Instagram post that the vehicle I was driving was on its last legs? That vehicle died and went to the shop forever, uh, RIP. So um, the good news is I told you that we would be raising money to buy them a new vehicle, and this time something with four-wheel drive. Um, so uh, if we could start praying and asking God if we should give and, and help them. There's a, a, a couple, a family in our church, these are regular people. These are, these are not like super rich people. These are regular folk. And the, when, I, when they saw that Instagram post, the Lord spoke to their heart and said, I want you to give that $10,000 that you have in savings for your down payment for your house. And they looked at each other and they like swallowed hard and they were like, yes, Lord. And they got on the internets and they, they gave $10,000 to the Israel fund to go to buy a new vehicle for the, the team over there in Israel. And that night, they weren't filled with dread. The, the husband told me, he's like, Pastor Brad, we were celebrating, even though we just given away our, our opportunity to buy a house, we were celebrating as if we had just received a brand new house. We were dancing, we were shouting, we were high-fiving, even though we just did the dumbest financial thing you could possibly do. The next day, because you know God does it the next day, uh, he goes to work and they said, hey, you come on into my office, I'm gonna give you the XYZ client that is going to almost double your whole salary package over the next, you know, whatever, because this is such a big client. You're gonna be so blessed, you know, this client is just gonna be throwing money at you, so he can't wait to tell his wife, say, honey, you're not gonna believe it, you know, over, you know, the next year or two, God is gonna completely repay and more. Uh, isn't God amazing? And then um, a few days later, I think it was a family member that reached out, and they were like, hey, how's the, how's the house buy-in going? And they were like, well, we, funny story, we had some money saved up and we felt we should give it to the Lord. And they're like, well, funny story, I felt like I should give you $20,000 towards your down payment. Isn't God amazing? So in addition to having a new larger stream of income from the future, the Lord doubled what they put out in four days, three days. I love God. They made this huge step of faith sacrifice, and the Lord honored that sacrifice. So I want to talk about sacrifice a little bit because this week, I, I feel like, like you ever been like, I think I'm going to buy a red pickup truck, and then every single place is a red pickup truck. Every QT, every Kroger, every, every stoplight is a red pickup truck. Hmm, I'll look at Toyota, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, you know, like you, you, it's what you see everywhere. Well, once I was starting to like have this feeling that God wanted me to talk about sacrifice, and then I got this testimony, hey, we made this giant sacrifice, and then God did this amazing thing. And then I was reading my, in my Bible this week, I was in the Old Testament in a few places, I was in Psalms in a few places, and then I was in the New Testament. Every single page, like every Every story had this concept of sacrifice. So then I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's figure out where all this comes from. Let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the book. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and they have not sinned, and they're, they're naked because there's no shame. 
So a lot of the fellows are like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being in the garden with my wife. So um, um, women don't like that joke. So, and single people, you're not allowed to make that joke. Preach it, brother. So, um, but then they sinned, and shame entered the world. So what, what did God do to, to cover them? Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve to clothe them. So God killed some animals to get some skin, some leather, to cover their nakedness. Now, if you turn the page to Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve had a bunch of kids. Well, their first two sons were uh, these men named Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer. Uh, he raised crops and fruits and you know, nuts and berries. And Abel was a shepherd. He was out there with the goats and the rams and the bulls and the, you know, the animals. But it was time for the first time in the Bible to make a sacrifice to God. Genesis chapter 4, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, but he brought the fat portion from the firstborn of his flock. So the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So God accepted Abel's generous sacrifice of giving from the fat of the firstborn, but he rejected Cain for just taking some of the grain harvest. So here's a few thoughts that we can learn right out of the gate about sacrifice. The first thing we see is that, well, we're going to see it hundreds of times. I mean, this is the first time we see sacrifice. From here to the book of Revelation, sacrifice is on almost every page. But sacrifice is the access point to God. It's how we worship God. It's how we thank God. It's how we honor God. It's how we bow low before God. It's how we put God first in our life comes through sacrifice. Number two, God will accept some sacrifices and reject others. See, we always look at God as, you know, cupcakes and rainbows and fairy tales and unicorns. We're like, God just loves everything. No, God rejected Cain's sacrifice, which a little bit of, you know, foreshadowing, God judges the heart of our sacrifice. It's not just that you give something and not just something you do something. The Lord is judging the heart behind it. We see it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So what did Abel do? He brought his very best. He brought the firstborn which is the most valuable, the most important, and that's the first fruit. But the very first thing that, that he received, he's like, no, nah, I'm going to give this to the Lord. What did Cain do? He brought some of the fruit, some of the grain. God will accept what costs us the most and reject sacrifices that cost us nothing. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 8. God... Um, is displeased with the sin and the selfishness in the world. So he said, I'm gonna find a righteous person and his family, and I'm gonna kill everybody else. So God floods the earth, but saves Noah and his family. The very first thing that Noah did when he got back onto dry land, Genesis chapter eight, Noah came out of the boat together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, and then Noah built an altar to the Lord and he took some of the clean animals and clean birds and he sacrificed burnt offerings on that altar. Noah was so grateful to God that he was spared, that his family was spared, that there is gonna be a legacy, a future generation for his family, that the very first thing he did was took some animals and he cut their heads off and he put them on a fire to worship God, to, to honor God. The access point to God for Noah was sacrifice, was gratitude 
was honoring the Lord. Before he rebuilt his house, before he did anything, he stepped off the boat, he built an altar, and he sacrificed to God on it. And if you read, continue reading the story, verse 21, the Bible says that it was the aroma of the animals, the aroma of the sacrifice that pleased the Lord. Again, the Lord was judging a sacrifice, and he found Noah's sacrifice to be pleasing. But let's be honest, anytime meat is cooking, it's gonna smell pleasing to the Now, after Noah, we still have a sin problem in the world. We still have people that are separated from God because of our selfishness, because of our sin. So the world has a sin problem. So we read a few weeks ago about Israel being God's choice that God created a rescue plan. And he, he picked a guy, another guy that honored the Lord. And he picked one guy, Abraham, his wife, Sarah. And he said, through this old couple, I'm going to create a whole nation of people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. That one day, a Messiah is going to come and save those people and save the whole world. We talked about that over the last few weeks. The problem was God made a little whoopsies. And he picked a 100-year-old man and his wife that were barren and had no children. But whoopsies for God is just, I'm gonna do a miracle and I'm gonna give them a baby. And God does and he gives them their son, their beautiful, precious baby boy, Isaac. Here's this totally banana story in Genesis chapter 22. God tests Abraham's faith. He's like, Abe, I know you love that boy and I know you waited 100 years for that boy, but I want you to cut his head off and put him on top of a fire and cook him. Doesn't it just sound like, oh, I just love God. He's so sweet and amazing and tender and loving. Do you know, have you read your Bible? <laughs> Genesis chapter two, God said, take your son. Yeah, I know, your only son. No, no, I know, the one that you love. Let me be a little bit more specific. Take your son Isaac and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'm gonna show you. So Abraham struggled with this decision and had a hard time responding of whether or not he would make this sacrifice. Oh, snap. It says early the next morning, Abraham got up immediately, took two of his servants and his boy, got enough firewood together for the burnt offering, and then they set out for the place that God had told him about, which, by the way, ends up being Mount Zion and Moriah, which is the city of Jerusalem where the temple stood. If you'd like to see it, we'll take you there in March. Sign up today. I can start doing those ads again because we reopened registration. Isn't that weird that God's like, listen, Abe, I know that I gave you this miracle baby, but now I want you to kill him and I want you to burn him up for me. That's just so bananas. I know you had trouble getting pregnant. And if you have had trouble with fertility, you know this like pain. Their pain went on a hundred years before they had their baby. And for the first time, God's like, yeah, I could really use some human sacrifice about now. Which sounds so crazy, but Abraham loved and honored God so much, he was like, early the next morning, I'm gonna get up and do it. I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure I could do it. I love my, I mean, maybe one or two of my, but there's certain one of my kids <laughs> that I love so much. I definitely couldn't do it with my grandson. I don't know how he got out of the house, how Sarah let him out of the house. She's like, I'm sorry, you're, you're going to do what with my son? Now, by the way, if you don't know how the story ends, first of all, your homework is to read Genesis chapter 22. I won't read the story, but second of all, he gets to the mountain, and he builds the altar, 
and he gets the firewood, and he takes his boy, who was probably, by the way, a teenager and could have beaten up this 120-year-old man, and he puts him on the altar, so Isaac is now laying there willingly, and Abraham takes his knife, and the Lord says, wait, 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 I was just testing you. Here's a ram that you can slaughter instead. And you Cowboys fans are hoping that the Rams get slaughtered today. But the point is, God stopped him once he saw his heart to sacrifice. So there's a few things we can draw from that. Number one, sacrifice is the access point to God. Abraham had a very intimate and personal relationship with God because his sacrifice, his heart, was tested. Number two, the sacrifice needs to cost something. Like, he loved his boy. Like, we can't just sacrifice it if, if it's not something that we love. It's not a sacrifice in that case, which we learned from King David. Um, King David wanted to make this sacrifice to God, so he goes out with his whole, you know, he's, he's rich and he's powerful and he's a military leader, and he's like, I'm going to buy uh, this land, and uh, I want to have it on this spot, and, um, and I need those animals. And the owner of the land and the animals was like, King I am your loyal servant. Take my animals. Take my land. I want to be involved in your worship. And in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David said, I'm not going to offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. The very definition of the word sacrifice is that it should cost us something. It's going to cost the animal its life. It needs to cost me something. And I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to serve on a team. I'm not going to go on a mission trip unless it costs me something. I'm not going to live a Christian life that doesn't cost me something. If it's going to hurt the animal, it's going to hurt me too. A sacrifice that doesn't hurt is just a favor. And God doesn't need us to do him many favors. All right. We still have a sin problem in the world. So uh, what does God do? Now, do you remember when the Lord in Genesis chapter 3 killed some animals to get some leather to make some clothes for Adam and Eve to cover their shame, their nakedness from their sin? Well, when God was establishing his culture, his kingdom, through Moses, through Joshua, through the high priest Aaron, he said, yeah, I want this to be a regular thing. At first, they built a tabernacle, a place of worship, and this was to be at the very center of all of the tents, all of the people of Israel. And then later, they built a temple, a permanent building in Jerusalem. But I want the people to bring their very best animals, goats, you know, doves, bulls, their very best. And I want them to bring them to the priests, and then the priests are going to sacrifice them, cut their heads off cut them into pieces, throw them on a fire. Leviticus chapter five, then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the rules. The priest shall make an atonement for him. What are we making atonement for? For the sin that he has committed and then he shall be forgiven. So at first in the tabernacle and later in the temple, sacrifice wasn't just like an apology to God. Bringing an animal was an act of worship to God. And it cost them something. They would have to bring their most valuable, their firstborn, the most expensive. Look at this picture from the temple in Jerusalem. Um, this is an artist rendering, by the way. There were no cameras 3,000 years ago. The point is, you see this altar here. The priests would have this fire. The people would come and they'd bring their animals. They'd get cut up into pieces and then they'd put the animal on the fire. And there was this constant fire burning in the presence of God goats, bulls, uh, t doves, you know, so it was a bloody, smoky, probably great-smelling mess. But it had to cost the people something to go before God. You would never think about going before God empty-handed. Yeah. 
You would never think about taking something from God's presence without first bringing God something because that's a sacrifice. And I also have to remind you, in the, before there was a temple, when it was a tabernacle, it was erected in the center of the people of Israel. The temple was in the center of Jerusalem. God and worshiping God and sacrificing to God was the central point of everybody's life. So where am I going with all this? Today, we've built an American church where we have created a culture where church is not about sacrifice. And it's about what can I get from God? What can I take from God? Rather, what can I sacrifice for God? We have become consumers of God, not worshipers of God. Like a sports team, we have become fans of God and we just wave and we acknowledge that he is a good God, but he's not the center of our universe, I am. So therefore, we make church all about people. How do the people feel? Are the people comfortable? Do the people feel good? It's all about people. But when I read Genesis or Revelation, it's all about God is the center, and we come to him through sacrifice. He is the center of my universe. And the access point to his presence is sacrifice. So we have a church today where it's our, our feelings are more important I don't like the way that church makes me feel. I don't like the way the preacher makes, that, makes me feel. I don't like the environment those songs make me feel. But our feelings are not supposed to be the central thing. I know that American culture has told you they are. God is to be the center of our universe. And our sacrifice is the access point to God's presence. This is true in the old covenant through animals and in the new covenant. And in my personal opinion, this is why so few people say they feel the presence of God in churches today is because they didn't come to God with a sacrifice. Well, I just didn't feel God's presence today. I know, because you didn't access his presence through sacrifice. You've come to God empty-handed. All you've come to do is take from God before you've given to God. So you're like, when are we going to talk about Jesus? Okay, I will in a minute. I will in a minute. But kind of like Jesus died for our sins, he was our sacrificial lamb. But like Noah in Genesis chapter 8, we should sacrifice our lives to Jesus because out of what? The same way that Noah was grateful that his life was saved, I am so grateful to Jesus for saving my life, I sacrifice everything for Jesus and his kingdom on the earth. So we will talk about Jesus in a minute, but I want to fast forward because I've given you all the Old Testament pictures, how is a New Testament church, how is a Gentile church in America supposed to sacrifice and worship God? The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a Gentile church in the city of Rome. So in, in Rome, he's writing to people that were not Jewish. They did not have a temple to God. There would have been many temples, but they would have been pagan temples. And there would have even been animal sacrifice in some of those Roman pagan temples. So the Apostle Paul was trying to teach a Gentile world how do we worship God apart from having sacrifices in Jerusalem. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I appeal to you. Paul saying, listen, church, I am begging you by the mercies of God. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. The Apostle Paul is begging the church to lay down their lives to the point of death, but then, of course, to be alive after. 
This is a banana's way of thinking because the very term sacrifice means to take something to the point of death as an offering. But he's saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to die to yourself so you can live for God. I want you to be dead to your desires so you can be alive to his desires. I want you to be dead to your will so you can be alive to the will of God on the earth. I want you to die every day so you can live for him. Sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem, you could not bring, like you know how some animals are born with two heads and five legs, and some animals are born like, where they're worth nothing at the market? You could not bring to God something that was worthless. You had to bring the spotless animal. You had to bring the most expensive animal. So he's tying this together that you're, as a living sacrifice, you have to be holy and acceptable to God. That every single day, you bring to God a daily sacrifice of your very best. It is your spiritual worship. To be a living sacrifice is your spiritual worship. Worship music, having the best music, having the best worship leaders, having an atmosphere, singing songs, that is not spiritual worship. Spiritual worship comes after we understand that we should be living sacrifices and we die to ourselves. Do you remember how all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, God accepts some sacrifices and he rejects other sacrifices? But I remind you that our sacrifice is the access point to God. So therefore, in the modern church that we as living sacrifices, our holiness, our purity, our dying to ourselves, our giving God our most valuable time, our most valuable effort, our most valuable money, this is our spiritual worship today. We're not giving God the leftover part of our life. We're giving God our first and our very best. We're going to give God what costs us the most. And I'm telling you, being late for worship is not dying to yourself. It isn't even worship. And I wonder why our church doesn't continue to grow. <laughs> when it comes time to give financially to the Lord, if you give to the Lord after you have paid all of your bills and you've given to him what's left over in your pocket, you're not worshiping the Lord, you're just tipping God. If you've been a part of this church and we're saying, hey, we could really use more people to jump on the team, serve in kids, serve in usher, serve in tech, serve in worship, serve in the parking lot, serve, serve, and you don't serve on a team, that's not worship. You attend a church, but you're not worshiping God through sacrifice. If you never give up of your time in prayer, then you have no idea the concept of prayer. If you posted about Matthew Perry dying, but you didn't post about 1,400 Jews being massacred, you do not understand the kingdom of God. Which was a lot of people last night. And yes, I went back and checked on a few of you. I was like, oh, Matthew Perry died. Click. Scroll. I'm not saying I judged you. I just added it to my sermon. <laughs> if, if you don't ever come to Wednesday night presence and prayer, you simply do not understand the power of prayer. Your prayers have the power to bring life or death. So you're being very selfish by not coming to a Wednesday night presence. Presence and prayer should be packed every Wednesday night because there's a people of God that are sacrificing of themselves. No, you don't feel like praying, but you don't do it because it's in your feelings. You do it because he's king of the universe and he's asked you to partner with him in prayer. Here's the thing. I honestly, honestly, I wrote this message to be encouraging. <laughs> I wrote this message to be an invitation to sacrifice. Why? And I'm going to give you the reason why. I feel bad for Christians that attend church but don't sacrifice. I honestly do. 
I feel bad for people that don't understand how important it is to make a sacrifice to the Lord because they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God at work in their lives. Here's why. Sacrifice will always lead to hope. And a life without sacrifice will always lead to hopelessness. The very reason we make a sacrifice is that we're believing for a better future on the other side of our sacrifice. So your sacrifice today will fuel your hope for tomorrow. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people would bring their very best animal to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. Why? To receive from God the forgiveness of sins and the blessing of God. Think about parents raising children. It's not convenient to raise children. You lose sleep. You definitely lose lots of money. You lose lots of time. Your whole life for 18 years is to raise this child. Why? You're making that sacrifice in the next generation for a better future for your kids and grandkids. It's a sacrifice, but you're glad to do it. It gives you hope. Why do you buy a great steak or a great chicken or a great fish and some vegetables and you, you spend your money and something had to die, either a vegetable or an animal had to die, and you bring it home and then your time has to die and your seasoning has to die and your experience has to die and you invest all of this time in sacrificing a great meal. Why? So you'll be nourished and you can live for another day. There's hope in a sacrifice. Why do soldiers show up and say, I'm going to protect my nation? I'm going to make a sacrifice. By life or by death, I'm going to protect my nation. Why do they do that? For a better nation tomorrow. Why do students study and study and study and, and go to college and, and, and stay late and come early and read the textbook and take the quizzes and take the tests? Why? So they can have a better tomorrow. They can get a great job. Sacrifice leads to hope. And too many Christians live without hope because they live without sacrifice. So if you want a better family, you want a better walk with God, you want a better marriage, you want a better church, you want a better city, we have to make sacrifices today for a better life tomorrow. Our hope for tomorrow is tied to our sacrifice in today. All right, well, we've got to find a way to land this plane because you can't tell if I'm mad at you or, or proud of you. Some of you, I'm super proud. Some of you are watching on YouTube. The point is... No, I, we have a lot of people that are fighting uh, sickness right now, and a lot of people have to watch the YouTube. I don't want you here. I want you re resting and recovering, and I, I, you know. But it's the people that just skip because it's a little cold and rainy and you want to stay in your jammies. I ain't got no time for that. That's not a sacrifice. All right. In church in America today, a lot of people sing songs, but few sacrifice in worship. A lot of people will pray the occasional prayer, but few people sacrifice in prayer. A lot of people will throw some money in the bucket or give online, but they rarely sacrifice financially. A lot of people will even serve on a team, and once a month they'll be an usher, they'll serve on tech, they'll be in the kids' church or whatever. But I'm asking you, are you truly making a sacrifice, or are you just doing it because Pastor Brad keeps guilting you into serving somewhere? Because in the kingdom of God, Old Testament or New Testament, sacrifices were always voluntary. Nobody made you bring an animal to be sacrificed, and nobody makes you come to church. Nobody makes you serve. Nobody makes you give. It's always meant to be voluntary because that's the thing with sacrifice. You don't have to do it. You can choose to be selfish and not sacrifice, or you can make a choice. I love God so much. I am so grateful to him. I want access to his presence so much. I'm going to lay myself down and sacrifice. And there will be freedom, there will be blessing, there will be hope, there will be peace. And that's going to come after I first do business with God. Earlier this morning, Barbara read that verse from Corinthians where she said, please don't give under financial pressure. Because why? God loves a 
cheerful giver. I remind you from Genesis chapter three to today, God judges our sacrifices. What's he judging? The heart. He's judging the heart behind it. He's judging the heart behind it. Are you giving with joy? Are you worshiping with joy? Are you serving with joy? Are you laying down your life with joy or out of obligation? Let me go back to the final point from Romans chapter 12 where the apostle Paul was teaching the church to sacrifice. He said, I am begging you to be a living sacrifice holy to God. This is your spiritual worship. You can't have sacrifice without holiness. You can't have sacrifice without holiness. That's hypocrisy. King Saul was the first king of Israel and he tried the hard way that you can't do this. God told Saul to do something Saul didn't do what God wanted to do. Saul did what Saul wanted to do, and he disobeyed God. So then Saul felt kind of bad about it, and he's like, man, I hope God doesn't figure out what I did, so I'm gonna call a church service. I'm gonna get it by worshiping and singing and prophesying, and then I'm gonna take all these animals, and I'm gonna make a huge sacrifice, kind of hoping his sacrifice would cover his sin. But then the prophet Samuel come and speaks for God, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he said, does the Lord delight in a burnt offering and sacrifices as much as he does in obeying the Lord? Because to obey is always better than your sacrifice. And it's better than the fat of the ram if you would just obey the God of the universe. So in a New Covenant church, man, it's great if you serve on a team. It's great if you come early and stay late. It's great if you sing loud and raise your hands. It's great if you give to God financially, but not if you're in sin. Because our holiness and our sacrifice go hand in hand with our obedience. We're called to be a living sacrifice. Dead people don't willfully sin against God unless you're still alive to yourself and alive to your sin. We stand holy before God. That is our spiritual worship. If you need an example, it's Jesus. He was the perfect example of holiness and sacrifice. So let's talk about Jesus. There is a reason why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus. Well, first of all, the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD, so there's no place to sacrifice animals to to God. But the believer in Jesus as Messiah, you don't need to sacrifice animals anymore because the price for your sin has already been paid once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, it can never make those perfect who draw near. The Old Testament is always a shadow of the New Testament and something better to come. Everything that was done in the Old Covenant was a shadow of what Jesus came to fulfill. And in the Old Covenant, apparently all of those sacrifices can't forgive sin. Only Jesus could do that. Why is that? Verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sin. Even in the temple in the Old Testament, sacrifices didn't remove sin, it temporarily covered sin. So bulls and goats were a shadow of something better to come. Jesus is what's better to come. Hop up on your feet. One more verse. Verse 12. When Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies would be made a footstool under his feet. For by a single offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those being sanctified. Jesus never sinned, Jesus is perfect. So he willingly sacrificed himself, why? So you and I could be made perfect in God's eyes. Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross on Passover at three o'clock in the afternoon at the exact moment that the priests in the temple were killing the lambs for the sins of the people. 
Jesus was allowing his body to be sacrificed for the sins of all people. Once and for all, Jesus paid a price. Once and for all, remember, sacrifice is the access point to God. Once and for all, Jesus became the sacrifice to the Father. That's why the Bible says nobody gets to the Father except through the Son. Our sacrifices still give us access to God through Jesus. So when you serve, serve Jesus. Elizabeth Cordova was serving in the parking lot this morning, all bundled up in her coat with a little hood pulled over her head, just started to sprinkle a little bit. I said, Elizabeth, I'm so grateful to God for you because you serve with a smile on your face when it's 105 and 45, when it's sunny and when it's raining. And she smiled and said, it's not even that cold. Elizabeth is a perfect example that she is serving Jesus when she helps us park cars. When we come together to sing, we're not singing songs that Alan and Anna are leading us. We're singing to Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. Like Noah, we're lifting up our hearts with gratitude. Lord, thank you for saving me. Noah was saying, thank you for saving me from death. It's the same thing. We're thanking Jesus for saving us because we're called to worship through sacrifice, but no longer through animals. Now our access point is our worship, our adoration, our gratitude, entering into his presence. So let me ask you, have you, first of all, been obedient to the Apostle Paul's begging from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1? Have you made yourself a living sacrifice? Are you really dead to yourself and alive to Christ? Or are you just attending church? Is there something in your life that God has been asking you to lay down? But you've been holding on to it because that thing has become the center of your universe. Have you been taking from God without first giving to God? Here in the modern American Western church, this area in front of the stage, this, this big open area, we leave open. No chairs here. Why? Because we call this the altar. This is the place where things come to die. This is where we come to die to our sins. This is the come. We die to our addiction. We die to our fear. We die to our pain. We die to the fear of man. It's at this place that we lay everything down so we can live for Jesus. It's at this place we worship him. It's at this place we die to our self and our sins so we can be a living sacrifice. Listen, I know this message came out a lot heavier than it meant to be, but I swear when I wrote it, I was trying to encourage you. Because there is an invitation to a place of hope and peace that most Christians never experience because they're not willing to sacrifice. But if you would willingly sacrifice your heart, your life, your worship, your money, your time, your talent, and you would sacrifice it all to Jesus, there is so much hope and peace and joy on the other side of that. That couple that gave $10,000 to Israel, when they told me the testimony, both of them, big old tears streaming down their face, getting caught by their cheeks because they couldn't stop smiling. They were so excited to make that sacrifice. But I gotta warn you, sacrifice is not a formula. I can't write a book about it. I can't have a conference about it. I can't give you four spiritual laws about it. All sacrifices is an invitation to die to yourself so you can live for him. That is your spiritual worship. It's what you were created for. It's a lot easier than we make it out to be. Sometimes people struggle with really getting right with God because they feel like it's gonna be so hard. 
and we put it off, and we put it off, and we put it off. We put off saying yes to the Lord fully, 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 because we think it's going to be hard. It's not so easy. Once you get in and you're like, yes, and you become a living sacrifice, the first yes was difficult. From then on, it's like, yes, 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 yes. It's easy once you say yes that first time. If you're here this morning or you're watching online, it's like nobody's watching online. I shamed all of them 20 minutes ago, poor guys. If you're still watching online, you get extra credit. If you're here this morning and you're watching online and you're not right with God, you've not become a living sacrifice. Maybe you've attended church, but you're also still living in sin. Today is your day to say yes. Yes to living sacrifice. Yes to dying to yourself. Won't you close your eyes and we pray for you. Father in heaven, Lord, I meant for this to be encouraging. and Instead, I'd spit and yell and hollered. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and speak to your people that you would offer the invitation to die to ourselves so that we can truly find hope and peace and joy in living for you. There's no fear, there's no anxiety when we say yes. And Lord, like Noah, and I wanna be a person that's so grateful that you saved my life, Jesus, that you died for me, that you became the once and for all perfect sacrifice for me. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd be honest with me, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself and say, man, I'm not right with God. There's sin in my life that I need to repent and get right with God. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to become a living sacrifice and let Jesus be the center of my universe. I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can lead you in the prayer. I can help you. If you're here this morning and you need to get right with God, either for the first time in your life or the first time in a long time, I'd like to know who I'm gonna pray for. So no one's looking around but me, but would you just shoot your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Today's my day to become a living sacrifice. All right, I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand, I see your hand back there. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. Good, good, yay God, yay God. All right, YouTube, three people raised their hand and said, man, today I'm becoming a living sacrifice. Sorry I rode you so hard today, but if you're feeling that same just heart beating out of your chest, I've got to get right with God today. Right there watching that screen, just raise your hand. And look, why don't we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I die to myself so I can live for you. Make me a living sacrifice. I lay down my life. I lay down my time, my talent, my finances, my worship, everything. I lay it down before you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life once and for all. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Receive my life as a sacrifice. Lord, come, live in my heart. Live big in me, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Hey, for the three of you that raised your hand, man, I'm proud of you. For you at home, I'm so proud of you. Well done, well done.
I'd like our prayer team to come. If you are at home and you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. J-E-S-U-S to 817-405-2244. What that is gonna do is send you a form. Please fill out that form like the Apostle Paul. I'm begging you, fill out that form and click submit. Why? We wanna to begin to pray for you. We wanna encourage you in your walk with God. And we have this Jesus wall in here, with little light bulbs that we wanna write your initials on a Jesus bulb and put it on the Jesus wall. If you were one of those that raised your hand today, we want you to screw in a light bulb on the Jesus wall. We wanna pray for you and encourage you. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.